Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. And But I think the broader piece is in parenthood, you know, finding your crew, you know, people, whether it's people with kids the exact same age in your local area, whether it's um, children with the same condition or, you know, all, all manner of different things. I think in parenthood can be quite isolating because, you know, you're often alone at home with these little people and you're sort of craving connection with other families with similar circumstances on whatever level. Three. Two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jaffarle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail, do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? This personal spot is dedicated to all my founders out there because I know I had a really tough week, and there's so many tough weeks being a founder. Um, the emotional journey, not just the, even the journey of building a company in itself, but the emotional journey of, of being a founder is so taxing and difficult. There's so many days where you're like, can I, can I keep going on? Can I do this? I mean, we're everything, right? We're, we're the creative director, we're the organizer, we're the project manager, we're the janitor, we're, we're everything. And it can be, it could be really just like you wake up feeling like, whoa. <laughs> so it's important to take care of ourselves, And it's also important to know that we're not alone. One thing that I did for myself this week, um, trying to combat the like kind of crazy anxiety that comes along with being a founder as I set up Alexas in each one of my rooms and I just say, Alexa, play bird sounds and watch, it's about to play bird sounds right now. Okay, here's sleep and relaxation sounds. It's so key to find the little things that we could do to bring ourselves peace and harmony as, as we're taking on this amazing, courageous feat to be a founder. I just know it's no joke. It's not this 
lavish, cool thing we see in all the TV shows. So if you ever have those days like me, just give yourself permission to take a pause and to ask yourself, what can I do to bring myself comfort today? I mean, even if you need to eat that pint of ice cream, go for it. Just allow yourself that permission to go slow, take a pause, and just bring yourself comfort. All right, enjoy the next episode. Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for today's episode. It's something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. It's how to be a driven mom, to be a powerful woman in tech and not let anything hold you back and make the most of every opportunity possible. I'm so excited to have these incredible guests. We have Serene, we have Charlotte, we have Abby coming from Miami, from New York, from Denver on today's episode. Hello. Hey, thank you so much for having us. Of course. This is perfect timing because we just had on Mia yesterday, who is a 17-year-old, talking about how having an ambitious mom really made a positive impact on her. And something that I hear on so many of our episodes, that moms feel guilty leaving their kids working instead of whatever it is. I'm not a mom, so I'm speaking just from the stories that I've heard. I found it really interesting from a perspective of a 17-year-old how her mom, Natalie Kogan, choosing to be a driven woman in tech and be a mom in tandem was a really positive experience and made for a great role model. So I'm really excited to get into it. Um, Let's uh, start with Abby. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for having us today. Super excited. So I am Abby Mercado. I am the co-founder and CEO of Rescripted. Um, so we are the number one fertility-focused social network globally, and we provide tech tools and resources for wherever you are on your journey to build your family. My background is in finance BD, and I'm a former VC, um, and I, I've come to the other side and um, really enjoying entrepreneurship. So that's me. And Abby, you're a mom of two-year-old twins? Oh, yeah, that that too. Um, <laughs> I, I am a mom of two-year-old twins, Max and Annie. Um, they were working through IVF, and um, unfortunately for my clinic, I was a VC investor in B2B SaaS while I was going through IVF. And I, my eyes were open to all of the, the changes that we could make, um, the positive changes that we could make with technology. Um, and uh, had my twins and kept talking, kept thinking about IVF. And um, they're really why I do that. So. I'm so excited to ex- go down the deep dive and explore your story. Charlotte, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, yeah, I'm Charlotte, CEO and founder of Parenthood Ventures, which is a platform for early stage startups who serve parents and children. Um, I'm also mom uh, to two kids. Uh, I have a son who's three and a daughter who's one. And Serene. Um, Thank you so much for having us. I'm thrilled to talk about this topic because there's so much to cover. I am Serene. I am the co-founder of Sleuth, which is a parent-powered GPS for children's health. And it's inspired by how hard it was for me to get information for both my children, one who's considered healthy and the other one has, has atypical medical needs. So instead of going on WebMD and getting you know, redirected back to your pediatrician, you find out what other parents have done to get answers and who they saw. So very happy to be here. 
as we have this conversation, again, I don't have kids, so I welcome you to challenge me, to correct me, to guide me in this conversation, because I think this conversation is incredibly important. My friend uh, Amanda Tice just wrote a book called The New Mom Code, talking about like the struggles that aren't talked about being a new mom and having the support you need. Um, she's also just like us, a woman in tech driven. And so much of this stuff just kind of isn't out there. So, so let, let's get into it. What is it to be a driven mom and, and not, is it possible not to feel guilty? <laughs> um, I can jump in here. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that any, uh, parent in, in, in fact, can, can ever go through working full time and, and feeling like an engaged parent without, treading the tightrope of trade-offs so you know on in any given day any given week as you sort of pursue both of these roles in tandem and both of them are super important and you know that you you've got to like life is a jungle life is a constant juggle charlotte i thought you said life is a jungle and i agreed (laughs) sorry (laughs) i was like that would be apt too honestly i think that i mean for me so i i gave birth to my twins and like went back to the VC firm where I was working and then I quit like four months later. And I, I knew that the time was now, like the time was then to start my company. Um, and it was, it was really hard when they were young. Like it was, it was super hard. I feel like now that my kids are like, they're, they're kind of in school. Like it's, it's a little bit easier, but I, I remember it being very challenging when they were babies. So that's like, that's kind of the real talk for me. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think that another piece of it that this, the three of us certainly uh, w- kind of live through is it's already tough being a working mom. Um, you know, with that guilt factor, there's a lot of societal guilt around how much time you should be spending with your child, and people don't often have control over that. It depends on their, you know, their leave allowance and those sorts of things. There's this additional dimension when you're talking about a founder of a startup, where or a new platform like Parenthood, and you're bootstrapping at the beginning, and then at that point, you're you're feeling like, okay, well, I'm. I'm not spending all day with my little one, but I'm also not necessarily pulling a regular salary in the same stable way that I could be doing um, in different roles. And so it's this additional layer as well of of reflection that you find yourself kind of uh, amidst um, as part of that journey. And Abby, what inspired you to create your company? Oh man, it's actually kind of a sad story. So I was going through IVF and I was unknowingly pregnant and we were told that we had less than 1% chance of conceiving naturally. So it's like, how the heck was I, what? Like, how does that even happen? So many questions. Um, and I took too much of an IVF medication that I had been prescribed and I unfortunately miscarried. So I became very passionate. Like, I know it's so sad. Um, but you know, I conceived, I conceived, you know, a couple months later and Max and Annie are here on earth and they're amazing. But you know, I started, I started exploring, I started getting curious and I was like, is this happening to other people? Like that was really, that was really screwed up what happened to me. Like, and I, like, I, I actually, like, I know a lot about technology and you know, I'm, I'm an Aries, so I'm a natural born entrepreneur and I work in this venture space. So like, can I create something to, 
you know, we've, we've taken multiple twists and turns since then, but we do medication management um, for IVF protocol is one of the many things that we do as a business. So um, that that is how the company came to be through a really, a really sad personal story. But it's, you know, definitely something that I'm really passionate about, about solving for people. You know, we've had another guest on and I'm going to intentionally be a bit vague um, to protect their privacy, but they it were inspired to build their company as well. And one of the things that happened in their pregnancy journey is um, apparently the doctors saw that there was something wrong with the baby and she had a gut instinct that the baby was fine. And she was told by multiple doctors to abort. She stuck with her gut instinct and her baby was completely healthy. Holy hell. It's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, there's crazy. so much work to be done um, in this space. And, you know, I'm sure if there's a startup for like what, what she experienced too, like, oh, that's, that's crazy. Well, I'm crazy. glad the baby's healthy. Uh, completely. Serene, what inspired you to create your company? It's really resonant with what Abby went through. I went through a really hard time and continue to go through a hard time, frankly, with getting answers for my daughter's health. Um, so in 20. 18, she started, we started seeing some signs and symptoms, but our pediatrician um, just said, you know, let's wait and see. And often there's a type of child for whom wait and see is um, not good. And those are the children who need immediate intervention, who can take advantage of like physical therapy, occupational therapy or whatever. And I ended up having to leave my job literally just to find answers. So I left a lot of salary on the table because there was no good resource for me to figure out what to do next for her care journey. And, you know, one of the things about children's health is that it's just a very difficult system to navigate for everybody, including pediatricians. So you think about the fact that pediatricians are charged with taking care of the general health of someone that changes from zero to 18. It's actually kind of mind blowing. And so parents turn to each other parents for help. And, you know, research shows this and science shows this, but like crowdsourced data can be very accurate. And so those are the kind of inspirations to our product. And Charlotte, how about you? What inspired you to create your company? I was living in San Francisco uh, for almost 10 years. I'm now in Miami. But, you know, when you live in San Francisco, you have this feeling in your bones like, I am at the epicenter of innovation. You know, if there's a product or a service, like I will learn about it. Someone's building it. Someone's funding it. You know, um, the world is our oyster, essentially. And then I had my kids, you know, that right there in San Francisco at UCSF, and was kind of, was just couldn't help feeling like, is this a joke? Like, where are the, where's all the good product for families? And you know, I was going to the the classes and you know, meeting other families and on the mom Facebook groups and all the rest of it and just could not shake this feeling like there are so many massively shared uh, challenges, problems, needs out here, um, tons of willingness to pay among dual career families, as well as you know drastic need on a more sort of equity level as well across the country and at different income levels and so on. And yet, despite the fact that it felt like everyone's building a startup, everyone's a VC, like there was clearly this massive innovation gap essentially when it came to parenthood. So that was when, well, first I found myself inevitably building this massive ideas list, but when the list grew hilariously long, I started thinking, okay, well, look, my background's in business strategy. I have an MBA. Like the, 
there's something broken here and I'd love uh, maybe to dig into this on a more systemic level rather than picking one of these ideas that I've been sort of fleshing out. So that was the inspiration for meeting early stage founders, meeting people who've built and operated incubators and so on and meeting um, early stage VCs and just feeling through like how can I unlock parenthood as a, as a sector of technology. So that was the inspiration for for building you know, Parenthood Ventures, which is a platform for early stage um, startups, all the way from reproductive health, all the way through you know, when the kids start to leave the house, um, which when you add it up is over a trillion dollars of annual spending you know, in the US alone, and yet has never been recognized as a, as a sector of technology. So the founders that do build in the space have been distributed across digital health or EdTech or CPG or all these different sort of individual component um, spaces, pediatric health, um, you know, all, you name it, and, and never really have been able to come together and cross-pollinate ideas and learnings and find investment, essentially. And Charlotte, what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome in your career and how did you overcome it? Huge obstacle that I've successfully, you know, one of the common themes I think in my career has been almost translating. So um, working between different groups of people to help them come to a common understanding. Um, and, and I think that's really a thread that's kind of gone through everything I've ever done. And in the case of parenthood, it's it's working with early stage founders who maybe, I think oftentimes in this sector, as you've sort of already heard, come from a very personal story that's inspired them. And that makes them resilient. It makes them passionate about succeeding. And yet, you know, there's this sort of geographic and demographic disconnect traditionally with the sources of, say, venture investing, right, where the the change is in motion, but the average VC associate might be a white male sitting in Palo Alto or in Manhattan and maybe doesn't, has never stood in the shoes of the customer of these startups, doesn't understand that there might be willingness to pay. And I think, so a a common theme, like, like I say, is sort of really helping different groups communicate with one another in a way that can then bring results, right? Help that VC get what it feels like to be in the shoes of an absolutely desperate, sleepless parent that could be served by these technologies and help the founder translate their message into something that that, that VC associate who, or you know, partner, whoever, can really uh, get. If anything, if anything could come true within the next year or even five years, what would you like to see happen, Charlotte? Like, what would you like to see put into place so that, you know, moms can thrive and parent-related companies can be funded and, and can can accelerate? Well, I think part of it, there's sort of the systemic picture, which is I, I do think parenthood as a, an area of tech needs to be recognized as a whole. And that's sort of what I'm what I'm working on, PitchBook brought out an article in December showing the U.S. saw $1.4 billion of venture funding into the sector in 2021, which is larger than the previous four years combined. And I think some of that is with COVID, people are kind of really viscerally getting how difficult it is. Oh, yeah, because everyone's families. trapped in the house. Right. And, they, and This is can, what I have to go through. <laughs> and people can see it now. You know, people are living their lives on Zoom. They're having meetings with like toddlers climbing on their heads and all the rest of it it's like very real now to not just to parents themselves in trying to solve their own problems but to their employers to the government to everybody it's something it's becoming much more uh, recognized that like things have got to shift but then I think more specifically in driving 
investor interest. So ultimately, it's just always been this problem, like a VC... VCs are inherently backwards looking, right? They look at data, they say, okay, well, where are the fundraisers? Where are the IPOs? Where are the exits? And the trouble is, if nobody's ever written the check in the first place, startups in the sector found other ways. They grew organically. They, you know, they sort of bootstrapped their way through it or they served a local market and they were much smaller scale enterprises. And so what I'd love to see is, uh, is, uh, is to drive interest among VCs to invest. And that's sort of what we're really trying to do at Parenthood and, you know, any investors angels funds or otherwise that would love to plug in and, and sort of see deals and so on like we're super excited to do this in a very collaborative way because i think the more people that can get excited about it you know the better for everyone and serene what would you say has been your your superpower that has helped propel you over every single mucky situation <laughs> that has happened which we all have uh you know what's been your superpower to help you persevere i think it's a superpower that i I didn't always have, but I'm realizing is getting stronger and stronger, which is a very strong sense of self and purpose. And, you know, I've been through recently very, very difficult, challenging times. And I see the resilience I have, but what I appreciate most about it is that like, I can let go of a lot of things now, like maybe like 10, 12 years ago, the things, things would bother me a lot more. And now I've become a lot more accepting and that gives me a lot more mind space. And so at some point, one of, one of the hard things was that my father had died five years ago and it was a very difficult time for a lot of reasons. And I started going to therapy a couple years later. I've become a very clear thinker because of therapy and like just honing the skill of resilience and what goes with it, I think helps me tremendously as a mom and as a founder. And I'm sorry for your loss. Like, that's just never easy. Abby. Yes. <laughs> I don't understand how you have two-year-old twins. And I don't either. Like, I don't even. How? That's my question. Like, how? <laughs> how? How do you show up every day? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, like, being able to send them to like Montessori school, um, <laughs> like being able to send them to school um, has been amazing. Um, man, I, you know, like just knowing that like I'm building this business for them and, you know, knowing that ultimately our goal is to increase access to the science. Like every time I look at them, I see not every time, but a lot of times I look at them, I see, I see my own privilege and, you know, my husband's privilege and our, our privilege as a couple and how we were able to access this amazing science um, because, you know, we have great educations and graduated without student debt and, you know, all of these things that, that make up our privilege, but others are not, are not so lucky. And so, you know, I think looking at them, I'm like, you guys are amazing. Um, wouldn't it be amazing if, if other other people who, you know, one in eight people in the United States has infertility? How can we enable this science for for all every single person, all 6.7 million people in the United States who have trouble conceiving and, you know, also globally? And yeah, and like in terms of how, like, honestly, barely in the month of January, um, <laughs> kind of going back to the, all of the, um, all of the, you know, the reasons that um, Charlotte is investing in this space. It's, you know, I think as, as parents, we were at the 
like the just the very bottom of like our ability to do anything <laughs> um in the month of january like my whole family had covid like daycare was closed school was closed and you know being having to do it all was impossible in january so i think you know the more that like this is why moms in tech parents in tech like that is such an important an important notion like there's uh, like why do we talk about founder market fit um because parents can build companies that will be you know very resonant for the population um that is going through these hard things that COVID has really kind of unearthed for us so how how do i do it cool privilege um and you know how can we do better um paying attention to what happened to all of us parents in the month of january so I think I have a particular like, I don't know what the word is, like it hits a note for me, Abby, because I have two girlfriends who are single moms of twins. So I have watched like firsthand how difficult I love them so much, you know, and I first of all, I think being a mom is like warrior superhero status, literally. <laughs> And then to be a single mom of, I don't, I don't even understand, like, you know, and I know you're, you're not a single mom, but that's what the, the note is for me. You know, that's what I'm thinking about when, when, um, you know, luckily you have a partner and I'm just like, oh, thank goodness she does. You know? <laughs> yes. And I'm also lucky. Like my, my partner is like really even keel and, you know, like, like low key and, and I'm like fiery type A. So like <laughs> our son is like my husband and our daughter is like my clone. So I think having, having that balance has been really nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And the other thing that, that hits a note with me is being that I am of course driven myself. I've always, um, wanted the option to be to have children later in life. So fertility has always been a really interesting subject to me because I'm like, what what do I need to do in order to have longevity if if that's even what's meant for me? Because I mean, you could be 20 and and not have that opportunity, you know? So I, I just think it's really um it just it's really important. This conversation, this journey with the three of you is really about the story and the message that you want to share. And being that I'm not a mom, I I would love to ask. What is that, you know, North Star that you hope to get across in this um, podcast episode to help empower others? Serene, maybe I'll start with you this time. Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, it's going to be very related to caregiving and children's health, but I believe strongly that what mothers and fathers and parents have is like deep expertise in their child and that sharing what they've been through um, as kind of data and help for other parents is actually really powerful. I think if caregiving was given, I think if caregiving and things related to children, like educators, for example, because I have an education background, but like if we actually looked at them for the worth and value that they are, not to just our families, but like civil society and democracy and the running of our country, I think that would be incredibly inspiring and would just do so much for future generations for literally everybody. And so I just want to continue to elevate what caregivers are. And what's one thing, Serene, that we could do as a, a global community to support you in your success as, as a, a driven woman in tech? What can we do to help propel you to the next level? That's so nice of you to ask. 
it's similar to what Abby is saying. Like, I think just see people, like let all of us write our own stories as opposed to fit within like what might seem like a stereotype or a narrative that just exists to exist. Yeah. That's, it's so, ah, this digital age and all the stereotypes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Charlotte, what is the message, the North Star, that's important for you to get across and for people to learn and be empowered by this episode? I think the overarching one is, you know, to all the, you know, parents out there or people who maybe it's actually, they're not parents yet, but they're inspired by an experience in their own childhood to to build something that serves parents and kids. I, you know, historically, it's been a really tough space to get up and running as a founder. But essentially, I'd love the message to get across that in this world where we can raise funding via Zoom, we can tap into self-serve like tech tools and products. There are communities like Parenthood and others to support you and bring you a peer group and you know, hopefully also help you know, connect you with investors and, and, and so on. I, I think it's more possible now than it ever has been to really, to do it, to just, you know, to just to, to build something scalable and to succeed. It's not easy, but it's something that is, it is possible. And then I think on the, on the parent side of things, um, it's been hard to find what you need when you need it. And it's been hard to find tools that there were, you know, a, a breadth of price points and all the rest of it. But I do believe with the increased recognition of the importance of mental health, wellness, sleep, you know, gender equality um, in the household, as well as you know, women in the workforce and so on. Plus, hopefully, you know, policy and, and government level around protection, paid leave and, and those sorts of things. I think we're hopefully there are tailwinds in the right direction for parents where we're going to we're moving towards this much more tech served future. So it your experience in, of parenthood isn't so dependent on whether or not you have family nearby or whether or not you're a person of means. And I think, um, I think that's really important. And then, you know, in terms of a, of a takeaway, you know, get involved, like I say, you know, whether it's as a founder, you know, we have a test market of, uh, we call it the sandbox where parents actually volunteer to, you know, try out products and give feedback to founders and so on. There's lots of ways to jump in essentially that, you know, people are always welcome to. Where can they find that Charlotte? Oh, yeah. Uh, if you go to parenthoodventures.com, the website, whether you're a founder, an investor, uh, somebody who can offer mentorship or a, a parent who would be just down to check out cool new product and so on, um, you know, you can, there's a whole, a whole bunch of different ways to jump in. Awesome. And we'll make sure to include it in the show notes as well. Abby, what, what's your North Star? I'm curious, Abby, is there anything that could have been done that wouldn't have created that unfortunate situation for you? Or was that unpreventable? <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah, definitely it was preventable. It's, I said uh, unpreventable. <laughs> I should say. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I get it. <laughs> yeah, so like, oh man. Wait, let me what? just start again. I don't know why I said unpreventable. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Oh no, like, maybe that is what that. I meant. Never mind. my head's everywhere. Anyway, continue on. So essentially, yeah, but like the more, and that was the problem that we tried to tackle early on, which was to build a medication adherence platform that plugged into EMRs at fertility clinics. There are so many reasons as to why that is incredibly difficult. So we ended up pivoting by going, you know, direct to consumer where we could touch a lot more people. 
So like, there's just, I mean, there's a whole host of, of just problems in our healthcare system that, that makes that being like truly solvable, very difficult, but I won't even go into because there's so much hair on it. I could talk for like two hours about just that. Um, EMR integration and meaningful use and all sorts of things like that. But in terms of my North Star, I think that it really, it really like we're, we're a community above all. Like we can't do, we're the number, we're uh, the number one global social network for fertility topics. So, you know, we can't do anything without, without our community, without our community talking about fertility issues, about infertility issues, about pregnancy loss. And, like the more we talk about it, the more the stigma falls away. The the more that we make the news, the more that we speak out, um, you know, the more that we t- like we say, I can't come to work today because I'm experiencing a miscarriage. And you know what? I can't come to work this week because I'm experiencing a miscarriage. Or, you know, I need to take the next week off to do an IVF stem cycle employer. Like the more we talk about it, the more coverage will have for this. So this is a, you know, going through IVF, which, you know, I mentioned the statistics somewhere between one in six and one in eight um, Americans have infertility. So, and most people do not have access to this science, but the more that we talk about it, the more that we break down the stigma, the more we will get employers to cover this. And the more we will get states to mandate insurance coverage for infertility and give people greater access. So I think like the North star of mine is just breaking down the stigma and talking about these issues. Like that's where, that's where we will get far um, with this issue. What's the next step with all our listeners around the world? Like if they could do something right now, they could, after the episode, they're like, okay, I'm going to go take action. What would that action be? Like listen to your friends who have been through this, you know, don't, don't offer advice. Um, you know, listen to them, give them what they need. (laughs) Like the best thing you can say to anybody experiencing infertility or pregnancy loss is I'm here. (laughs) Like I, Mm -hmm. here's, here's my arms. Like I will hug you here are my ears. Like I will listen to you. No, I can't even imagine what you're going through. I've never been through anything like that or, you know, I have, but your experience is your experience is unique. But I will listen and I will hug you. So that's that's what they can do. I think it's a really great point, especially uh, you know, as as founders, we're problem solvers, and so to remember to kind of like table the problem solving hat and just be the supportive listener. And sometimes that has to be a very conscious choice because when we default twenty four seven into problem solver mode, it's hard to turn that off. But that's not always the best way to be a supportive person um, to others. So yeah, that's a really good point. I know this is a unique. Yeah, episode where we have three of you, but I'd love to dive into your personal history a little bit of when you became passionate about technology. Charlotte, how about you? When when do you remember technology being something that you wanted to pursue? Hmm. You know, on I can it's funny, I can trace this back very specifically, which was in uh in high school, I entered a national competition. It was a, basically a startup pitch competition and we won it. And I, you know, I, it was this mind blowing experience. I knew nothing. I had no background in tech. I'm from the Northwest of England. I'm not, you know, that, it, that was something I knew nothing about, but the challenge was to sort of design a, a business. And we came up with this 
it's actually we kind of came up with like a green light type concept. It's like a fintech for kids, like you know, a debit card where kids could control, could could shop online. We basically we were frustrated as teenagers that we couldn't buy movie tickets on the internet because we had to borrow one of our, you know, you had to borrow a parent's credit card. And um yeah, ended up winning this competition. Like went to like St. James's Palace to conduct an award. And I I really thought at that moment, like, this is what I'm gonna do. This was 2001 and kind of hit a bit of a brick wall and, and was like, well, I, but I don't know what that means. I don't know how you then do that. Um, and when, so I went to college and did what I was, you know, supposed to do. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to, I know I've heard about this thing called strategy consulting. And I know that's also a pathway to get an MBA. Like that's what I should do. And um, honestly, part of that ended up being somewhat like a procrastination on just jumping in. But I, I kind of felt like, okay, I need to get a grounding in this. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, work for a strategy consulting shop, like dig into all sorts of different business challenges, get my MBA and then and then get into uh, early stage tech eventually. And then I finally did come back around to it. And then, yeah, the inspiration really was this frustration when I when I had my kids about about, you know, unlocking this sector. But but yeah, I can trace it. Like I say, I very viscerally remember sitting in the hall at school with my friends and brainstorming these these business ideas. Um, you know, way back then. And what would you say um, has been one of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten in your career to help keep you moving forward and sustain the the low points? You know, it's helpful. I mean, you know, and Abby mentioned this with fertility challenges, finding a community, I think is huge. Being able to surround yourself with people that are also going through comparable experiences or, or who people just who feel on the same level and, on, on, and some degree, I think is really helpful. And, you know, especially when you're talking about building a new platform as, as I have, or if you're building a startup, you know, it's a roller coaster. It's something people say a lot, but like having those people who can celebrate the highs and like help get you through the lows, I think is something that sticks with me a lot. And then I think the other thing is, um, you know, uh, looking around yourself at those people who have that amazing hustle, like whatever that kind of means in terms of like negotiating really well, or just like having that real energy into things or, or pitching really well and, and sort of look, finding those role models of like, how do you move things forward? Because, you know, I'm something of an introvert. I, I don't find that stuff supernatural. And so I find it really helpful to, to sort of put that in my peripheral vision of like, okay, that's how you do it. What is a piece of advice that you've gotten that's helped sustain you? I'm really interested right now, like, I mean, so much, like, there's so much advice, <laughs> like, being an entrepreneur is just a whole different world. And it's like the best possible world for me as a human, um, I think, so far. But I think, like, for me, recently, the best advice I've been given has been to kind of um, experience and a whole emotional cycle. <laughs> so, you know, as, like there are so many ups and downs with regard to, you know, being an entrepreneur and being a leader and, you know, having your team look to you and like, there's going to be really good days and there are going to be really bad days. Um, and there's going to be all sorts of emotions that you feel. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, I think it's our first instinct to kind of, you know, push down those bad emotions, you know, whatever they are, like, you know, if it's just a, a certain anxiety about something, but 
I found that the best way to deal with my negative emotions, and you know, this was advice given to me, was just to, you know, go through the whole emotional cycle and actually really feel those negative emotions. And like that's that is the best way to actually learn from the emotional cycle. It's to just really let yourself feel. It's really important to talk about mental health as a founder and as and as a CEO and co-founder and leader. Yeah, this cycle has been you know, very important thing for me is to actually feel like stop pushing it down, like feel feel the negative and the positive. Okay, I might have the story a little bit wrong. So bear with the errors. But I heard something in the past few weeks about lobsters, where a lobster like grows, and then they can't fit in their shell anymore. So they grow they their shell breaks, and then they hide someplace safe or just hide so they're shielded in order to grow a new shell in order to fit. And like this keeps happening over and over and over again. I don't remember if it was lobster or another animal, but I thought it was really interesting that part of becoming bigger and better is going through the discomfort and cracking the shell and then growing a new shell over and over and over again. I hope that we all become a little bit more okay with that it's okay for things to be uncomfortable. It doesn't mean anything's wrong. And yeah, <laughs> like we're all just lobsters, you guys, like all of us, <laughs> yes. like, let's just be more like lobsters. That's, I, the, that's actually, that's the best advice I've ever been given. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> mine. It was like, my girlfriend sent it to me. And now I just send like some of my girlfriend's lobster emoji, emojis whenever we're having a hard time. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Like that's, that lobsters are my new spirit animal. animal. Thank you for that. Right. Um, Abby, do you happen to remember when you first became interested in tech? Yes, <laughs> I remember it so distinctly. Um, okay, so I'm probably not going to make a ton of friends with this um, with this statement, but I was a fracker. I used to work in the oil and gas industry, and I like I I started my career out just like working in big industry. Um, I was a history major, like very interested in you know the industrial revolution and and modern history and you know how we came out of the world wars and anyway, huge nerd. Um, and so that's kind of like where I landed in my career. I did industrial investment banking. You know, I was really interested in, you know, and it, it was it was very like energy source agnostic, but I just became very interested kind of after doing investment banking, how like how we are getting energy to the world and specifically energy poverty and, you know, like why it exists and how we can fix it and, you know, all of these things. So long story short, the <laughs> the oil and gas industry crashed. And the entire industry was, you know, more or less let go, like 50% of the industry, crazy stuff. And then once the price of oil went back up, everybody was expected to be hired back, but like people already had other jobs. And so anyway, I just kind of looked at this industry that I had be, I had learned so much about. And I was like, this sucks. Like, we're, this is so inefficient. <laughs> like, what are, what, like, why, why isn't this better? Like, why are, why are we doing this to people? Can't we do more with technology? So, um, I became very curious about technology's role in the oil and gas industry and just in the larger energy industry and, you know, our energy transition and yada, yada, yada. And so I literally, I Googled oil and gas venture capital and I found a firm and I went to work for that firm. So <laughs> that's how I became interested in it. And then the story goes on. That's, that's and then so the story cool. goes on. Yeah. Yes. And Serena, how about you? What What is a piece of advice that you've really carried with 
with you throughout the years to help keep you strong? Well, I actually heard a piece of advice very recently that has really hit me hard. Um, And it's like a perspective on life. And it's that basically we're not, it's not a finite game. You know, I think when you are in the tech ecosystem and raising money, it feels like your job is to, you know, create value, make money and create impact. And I think that's true. But I think when you move back and you look at life and you realize there's, it's an infinite, it's infinite possibilities. Like I see a lot of people my age, like break through their lobster shell of like, you know, all I did as a kid was achieve academically and I hit all these milestones and oh my gosh, now I'm like sitting here being like, is this what I really want with my life? I think there is a piece of advice there that is about enjoying the journey, right? Like the startups that we're talking about and that Charlotte supports are are things that are drawn from personal experience. And that really matters as the reason and motivation of doing this. And so even on the hard days, I think about the fact that how lucky am I that somehow the forces of my life let me do this as hard as it is. And so there's that idea of like purpose and gratitude that I think does propel me forward very much in the hard days. Speaking of parenthood, that we're even born is miraculous. Like, that yeah, we exist. So true. It is. It is a miracle. It really, and to be, and that the children are born and that they're born to us or however we conceive them or they're in our lives and we're the caregivers is really kind of the most beautiful thing to me. And do you remember when you first became interested in technology? I hated technology <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I like I remember I worked at the State Department and it was like 2006 and my first job was to basically product manage one of our first digital diplomacy tools and I remember just like I've always been interested in the people and the voice and the story behind the technology and so that gave me insight into why it's important because we had built the first digital tool to engage um, Iranian audiences and like it was really cool because you would see these interactions between like Americans and Iranians over just like subjects about science and philosophy. And then the spark of, Oh wow, it does enable really interesting things. It doesn't have to be like, I had dated a guy who went to MIT and was doing like aeronautical astronautical engineering. And I was like, I literally couldn't do it. Like my brain would explode because I just, I find, I don't find a human element of it. And so I'd always kind of looked at technology as something that other people did. But once I got to see how it married, like with the human condition and things that people want, I got really excited. And then when I went into ed tech, I thought more, but it became the most obvious to me when we were thinking of like, it was like, why, why is children's health not made easier by everything that technology can enable us to do? Like, it still stuns me about these like areas and industries that haven't leveraged the the power of technology. So it's the excitement 100%. of what could be. A hundred percent. Thank you so much. I, in this last chapter of our of our interview today, it's our inspo round. So I'm going to just go around a little bit of, of what's it called? Fire fireside? No, not fireside. Firecracker. I can't remember. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Rapid Thank fire. you. <laughs> Rapid fire. Charlotte, I'll bounce back to you. Who is a must follow that you recommend? It could be a podcast or a blogger, or a YouTuber, an entrepreneur, just whoever. 
you know, for me, I, I spent a lot of time um, following women in VC um, because I think, A, it's awesome to see more women in VC and B, um, I think there's this different approach that we're seeing. Of it's, it's so much more collaborative and, and inspiring. So, um, there, and I like struggle to even name this, like, it's like a million different ones, it's like all over Twitter and, and everywhere else. Lolita Taub, I could say, is like one of my favorites. Abby, how about you? Who's a must follow? So, we are a company that has been um, built through angel investors. And so, I'm like, I think that is like literally any type of angel investor. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, like I think that a lot of founders and especially emerging founders don't realize that VC is like not the only answer. Um, and so like, we're very proud to be funded by angels. So, you know, that's, that's one thing that I'll say. Um, I also really love um, Holly Teco's new podcast, the heart of healthcare, the heart of healthcare. Um, she's definitely somebody. Cool. Yeah. The heart of healthcare. Um, so I really love that podcast. Um and I mean, honestly, literally anything that Glennon Doyle says about like one sense of self and just like mental health in general, like I listen to like Glennon is like my person. Can you say so. the name again? Glendon or is it Glenn? Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle. Cool. Very cool. Yes. And okay, Shireen, I, I have I have a more specific question. When you were okay. pregnant <laughs> or when yes. you first became uh, when you first like when your kids were really little, like what has been one of the most valuable resources for you as a mom? Oh, Facebook groups, hands down. And like different Facebook groups related to like living in Manhattan or children health issues. Like I can't live without Facebook. Is there is there one that that comes to mind that's better yes. than the most? So yeah. there is yeah, there's one um that's called um Visible Child. And it's a parenting approach that's kind of like gentle parenting. And the reason I like it is because it's a constant reminder that our children are not extensions of us. They're kind of, they are their own people. And our job is to help facilitate their kind of own self-actualization. It's, I don't subscribe to the whole thing, but it's always a really nice reminder and it gives nice tips and uh, like methods to do it. Perfect. Charlotte, anything come to mind for you um, as a mom that really was a phenomenal resource for you? You know, similar to Sarene, like Facebook has, at least until now, been kind of unchallenged in being this platform where you can connect with other parents. Um, and it's handy, you know, when it's 3 a.m., it's like an easy one to skim. But in particular for me, I have both my kids have uh, some medical complexities, too. But and it's been a great place to connect with other families with the same condition and like literally I'm in a group specifically for the medicine my son is on and you know we're all comparing weird very specific stories and images relating to this uh situation and um and but I think the broader piece is in parenthood you know finding your crew you know people whether it's people with kids the exact same age in your local area whether it's um children with the same condition or you know, all manner of different things. I think in parenthood can be quite isolating because, you know, you're often alone at home with these little people and you're sort of craving connection with other families with similar circumstances on whatever level. 
And there's so much opportunity for that to be a lot less isolating of an experience in the future with a broader array of different products and solutions and, and platforms and so on. And Abby, how about you? What, what was a go-to that just was a huge lifesaver for, for you? Oh, big little feelings. Like if anybody has toddlers, <laughs> um, big little feelings is like my favorite. It's a, it's kind of like a media platform. Um, so they sell a course um, on toddlers. They have a great Instagram account, you know, just lots of, lots of resources for, you know, understanding how toddlers think and feel and, you know, how their, their, you know, little to be very big brains actually work. <laughs> so um, that's been, you know, really helpful for me, um, having two of them who are the same age. Um, and, you know, just, just how to how to be a, a better a better mommy a more patient mommy so cool and we'll include it in the show notes and my shout out I had mentioned earlier is Amanda Tice just wrote the new mom code so proud of her for publishing such an incredible book um, so okay last question is my nerdy question what is a mobile app or website that you just can't live without that is your fave Charlotte why don't you kick us off. A mobile app or website that is my fave. Sorry, and I might have to uh, uh, reflect for a minute to say something applicable. It's not. I, I spent a ton of time on the BBC News, but that's not a great example. Um, can I? Can I possibly <laughs> come back to me in just a minute? Right, yeah. I, I can go yes. if it's helpful. Um, go for it. So yes. I really like Flow, which tracks your period. Um, and Ooh. I like it also because it's like an example of something that should have existed a long time ago that's in women's health. And then you just track your period and your symptoms and everything. And so today I got a pop-up. It's just like kind of cool to have a personalized app, right? For your health. And I got a pop-up today and it's like, you might have a headache. And I was like, oh, that's why I have a headache, you know, because I was like, Oh, yeah. Wow. And so I think it's really, I think it's just really smart. It's really lightweight. It doesn't require a lot from the users, but the value add is pretty high. Wow. That's really cool. So I love the app Libby. So it's, Ooh. I mean, Wait, yes, Libby, the library, reading uh, audiobooks? The, the, the library yes. app. Um, so, I mean, it's basically like, it's like your online library and I just, I, I read a ton um, and it's just such an affordable way to, to read a ton because <laughs> you're checking out books at the library. So um, highly, highly recommend Libby um, if you're a voracious reader. Yeah, I honestly think Libby is like one of the best kept secrets. Totally. Oh yeah, maybe don't <laughs> put it in the show notes. <laughs> no, I, I wish everybody would use Libby. It is... It is the best thing ever. Audiobooks, books. Another one. I don't know if you have it, Abby. Tell me if you have it too with your library is Hoopla. Do you Ooh, also have that no. one? What is Hoopla? So I don't I don't know if it's um only attached to like the Los Angeles Library or whatever. It's it's like Libby, except it also has movies and everything. So you essentially have Netflix and Audible just through your library all the okay, time. Like <laughs> done. I just I just pressed get on my uh, on my phone. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Charlotte. Did you did yeah, one so come to actually, mind? I'd love to. I can I can jump in on two different things. First, to your question before about in parenthood, you know, a tech product or service or something that really moved the needle. I actually would love to make a shout out for Owlet, which is this sort of um, it's kind of a wearable for the kid. It's like a pulse ox and. 
they uh, they're actually going through an interesting journey now because they've gotten into some trouble with the FDA around you know whether they can market it as a medical device or not and what have you. But you know, both of my kids had a NICU stint, and that transition home um, was made in for us at least as a family infinitely smoother by having that device and feeling you know you're institutionalized when your kids in the NICU you're used to the beeps and the readings and all the rest of it and then the idea that they basically send you home like good luck your kid will probably make it through the night you know I um I understand there's some concern around you don't want to create anxiety in parents but I in my own personal journey I gained so much sleep and, and so much rest in with that safety factor of, of feeling like there was at least some sense of measurement of are the kids okay and can you spell it for yeah, us? O W L E T. Yeah, and then in terms of you know apps and sites that I use all the time, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into the ones that make my life with my kids uh, smoother. So one of them is uh, Caribou, which is an app essentially. So I live in the U.S., my family's in the U.K., and Caribou is this awesome app where you can engage with family members essentially around reading a book or different sort of activities remotely, which has been huge, especially, you know, families separated uh, through COVID. I think that's been a really um, big one. And then another one is there's this one called Pock Pock Playroom, P-O-K, P-O-K Playroom. Um, And it is super fun. It's like, uh, it's almost like a digital fidget board, which probably means nothing to you since you don't have kids. But imagine they literally make these boards with like clips and keys and, you know, things that kids can fiddle with. But it it kind of, to me, is like a digital version of that, that I, that if my, if we're waiting for a doctor's appointment or, you know, what have you, and I just need to distract my son for a few minutes, it's not the usual like ABCs, one, two, threes, like sort of stuff. It's much more, it's engaging in a really creative way. So I love that one. Very cool. And last inspo question, and this could be over any period of your life, because I know it's hard It's hard to catch the time to read now being a mom. So at any point, what book would you recommend we read? It could be personal or professional, and it could have been something you read when you were 14 years old. Charlotte, why don't you go first? I think it's always nice to read the, you know, the autobiographies or biographies of inspirational people. Um, you know, whether that's like Nelson Mandela or somebody that's like, you know, had one of these grand stories through history, but actually lifting back the layers and seeing that this is a person who was a child who, you know, who had times that they were lost, who could have made different decisions. And and, because it's easy to look at these figures who, what you might admire and think, oh, well, they were just born magical. (laughs) And so I think it's really cool to dig in and, and kind of see the relatable perspective. Totally. I know Kevin Hart and uh, Will Smith came out with incredible autobiographies that have been really, really great. Um, Serene, how about a book that you recommend? I really like Americana. I think it's such an interesting perspective on American culture and race in our systems. And it compels because it's a personal narrative with this kind of reflection on society from someone who wasn't born in the U.S. And I think that growing up here, living here, doing business here, you just get to see it from another eye and kind of see the ironies that we might not see ourselves. Awesome. And Abby, avid audiobook listener, possibly book reader, which one is your must-go-to? Yeah, so both. I read, I like to read like fiction in the print 
and I like to listen to nonfiction. Um, but I, a very enjoyable read I have experienced recently is Green Lights, um, which is Matthew McConaughey's. Yes, which you absolutely should listen to because his voice is so sexy. Sorry, I'm not sorry. Um, I am originally from Texas and I'm just like a huge fan of his. Um, but it was, it was so interesting. Like you can, like, first of all, incredibly entertaining, so unexpected, but you can also just take the lessons that he's learned in his life and just very easily apply them to, mm-hmm. to your own life. So very, very strong. Agree. Would, would definitely recommend it. Agree. That's such a good recommendation. Abby, how can people connect with you? You know what? How about shoot me an email? Um, Abby at rescripted.com. Would love to chat with anyone who's interested in, in entrepreneurship or um, fertility or, you know, cracking the parenthood space. A-B-B-Y at rescripted.com. R-E-S-C-R-I-P-T-E-D.com. Perfect. Serene, how can people connect with you? So I use Instagram as like my CRM, which is a little sad, I know. Um, but I would love to connect with anyone on Instagram. And it's my full name spelled out. So Serene Nor Ali. And um, I especially love to hear from parents of like people who have experienced like health questions with their kids because we would love your insight. Awesome. And that's S-E-H-R-E-E-N, last name N-O-O-R-A-L-I. And Charlotte, how can people connect with you? Uh, Yeah, a few different ways. So um, I'd say we put out most of our content, well, on a few platforms, but LinkedIn is actually a really good one. We've found uh, people engaging with on lots more levels than we thought would happen. So Parenthood Ventures on LinkedIn. But then I would also on our website, like I, you know, I mentioned before, there's all these different possible ways to engage. And we'd love to, we love to engage everyone in, in, in each, whether it's people who are interested in seeing deals, even if you're not someone who's done a ton of angel investing before, but you want to dabble. Um, there's that side of things. There's founders who are building scalable products to serve parents and children. Um, and parents who want to dip their toe and just try out cool new stuff. Um, and, and our website lays out a few different options for getting in touch across all those different categories. And Charlotte, for any of um, those founders out there looking to raise money for their parent-related company right now, what would be the best steps to either seek mentorship or to um, go start that journey in raising money through Parenthood VC? Well, uh, the best, I mean, essentially, if you go through the site, there's an application form. And um, and then the next step is I chat with founders and onboard them to the Slack. And then, you know, that's sort of, that's the process. And then we have a deal flow newsletter that goes out to investors. And there's like all different sort of um, ways that, that we work. But probably the, the best first step is, is to jump into the website, into the join us um, section. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. To connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world. Remember, go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you, talk to you, all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Abby Mercado. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Risk. 
Scripted. We are the number one global social network for people interested in fertility topics, providing tech tools and resources for wherever you are in your journey to build a family. Based in Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to Women in Tech. Hi, I'm Charlotte Michaelides, CEO and founder of Parenthood Ventures. We're a platform for early stage startups who serve parents and children. We're based in Miami, Florida, and you're listening to Women in Tech. Hi, this is Sari Norley of Sleuth. I'm the co-founder of Sleuth, which is a parent-powered GPS for children's health. I'm based in New York, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.